When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Lineup. I'm Dave Prodan, and this is episode 175, an episode presented by Body Glove. Before we get to today's conversation, here are three surfing news items for you to keep in mind this week as you sit in your own lineups. First off, world number four, Zhao Xianka, is reportedly in stable condition at Queen's Hospital in Hawaii following a multi-wave hold down at Pipeline on Sunday. Zhao was reportedly pulled from the water by Jake Mackey before the North Shore lifeguards treated him on the beach. Very scary situation. Glad to hear he's in stable condition. And a huge thank you to the North Shore community and the North Shore Lifeguards Association for looking after everyone. Secondly, 2023 marked the maiden year of the Visla CT Shaper rankings with Matt Biolas and Mayhem Surfboards claiming the throne as the 2023 Visla CT Shaper of the Year. And it seems like there is some movement happening in the offseason as we gear up for 2024. Last week, Miguel Pupo announced a switch from longtime supporter Sharp Eye Surfboards to Gold Coast-based JS Surfboards, where he'll join Ryan Callanan, Frederica Marias, and his younger brother, Samuel. Additionally, Hawaii's Betty Lusakura Johnson, a longtime Slater Designs team writer, teased out an announcement that is coming soon in the equipment space, so we'll keep an eye on that. Finally, the Vans Pipemaster special event opens its window on December 8th and will stream live on pipemasters.vans.com. Do not miss it. All right, episode 175. Today's guest is someone who has been on a steady rise through the professional surfing ranks in recent years. Hailing from Long Beach, California, but becoming a fixture in nearby Huntington Beach lineups, he finished 18th this year on the Challenger Series, which confirmed his place for the 2024 Challenger Series. He is certainly one to watch in the qualification conversation. We talk about all this and more. Please enjoy the lineups conversation with Long Beach's Nolan Raposa. The good old clap, take one. That's right. How many of you knew what you wanted to be when you were seven years old? I did. I wanted to be a world champion. Hey, is there honesty involved in this podcast? Can we be honest? We can shut your lips. And now I just say, put them up once. Let's go. He's like, you look too pretty on the wave. Get ugly. We can talk about DMT if you want. All right, so we are back. We have a special guest today hailing from Long Beach, California. He's no stranger to podium finishes. He won his first national title in 2015 at the Volcom TCT Global Championships. As a junior, he claimed his first win, defeating current CT surfers Samuel Pupo and Final Five contender Griffin Colapinto at the Vans Pro Junior in 2016. The same year, he won the Rip Curl Grom Search International alongside another Final Five contender in Brisa Hennessy. On the QS in 2019, he took first place at the Maui and Sons Arica Pro. 
as scary a wave as you're likely to find on the QS or anywhere else. And this year on the QS, he finished second to Taj Lindblad at the Slow Cal Open Morro Bay, third at the Wallex US Open of Surfing Challenger Series event, and 18th overall in the world on the Challenger Series, surfing only four of these six possible events. Very, very impressive. He's sponsored by brands like Body Glove, Pizel Surfboards, Bonsai Bowls, ProLite, and Perfect Hydration. We have Nolan Raposa. Nolan, thank you so much for joining us on the lineup. Yeah, wow. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate all that. Um, I'm psyched to be here and um, excited to chat it up with you. Uh, I'm excited too. We were talking a little bit offline. I know you're headed to uh, the North Shore here in a few days, but as far as today's conversation goes, where are you at today? Today I'm here at my new apartment. I just actually moved to Huntington Beach with my girlfriend. Congratulations. uh, Thank you. Yeah. And I've just been, yeah, living it up down here, biking around, surfing out front and uh, hanging out with my buddies. Yeah, Huntington, it's one of those places, um, I grew up in Orange County too, and when I started at the then ASP North America, we had an office right there at the pier. Um, I think it takes a bad rap sometimes globally, but as far as consistency, like every single day virtually, there is something to go out and and work on your craft on. Are you an everyday kind of surfer there, or or what's your kind of, you know, in-between event um, program for training? Totally, yeah. I mean, I usually try to surf every single day. Uh, I hit uh, Surf Freddy Fitness a lot with Paul Norris, and uh, he'll kick he'll kick my butt sometimes. And uh, I might not be able to surf like every single day, but um, I still try to get out there as much as possible. And um, now that I'm here in Huntington, like it's literally just a couple blocks away to go out and surf. So definitely been surfing a lot more recently. Good for you. Well, we mentioned it in the the introduction, but you had an amazingly impressive year on the Challenger Series. Congratulations on that. But as I said, you, you only surfed four of the six events. So for our listeners, can you kind of walk us through how the year started out for you and how you kind of approached this level of competition and, 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 and just your experience with it? For sure, yeah. So, I mean, from last year, I kind of had like a little like nagging issue with my knee. Mm. Um, so I didn't get to compete in all the regional events. And so then once the year started, my, my body was healing a lot better and I decided to do the Mora Bay event, which I was actually like on the fence about doing. Um, I ended up with a second place and was like getting some valuable points for qualifying for the Challenger Series and then um, went and did the rest of the events and uh, I ended up like just short of qualifying. And that was like a tough pill to swallow for sure. Mm. Um, but then nobody really informed me with like how my rating was last year was going to give me like a top alternate spot for the rest of the Challenger Series this year. Right. So I wasn't aware of this when I was going into the first two events. But as well, I was already planning on missing the, cha- the uh, Snapper Rocks contest because my brother was, and his wife were having a wedding in Cabo. I wasn't going to miss that. I was the best man and like really excited for both of them. Um, So I was planning on missing Snapper Rocks, but since I didn't actually qualify, I didn't think I was really going to get into the rest of the events. Right. Um, So then once, you know, the first event happened and then the second event happened, I didn't sign up for it and saw that like I would have got in. Um, I was informed all this stuff. So I was like, all right, well, I might as well sign up for Bolito and and US Open and just see how that goes. And if it doesn't go good, then, you know, I'll just keep doing my thing and, you know, keep doing the regionals. but if it goes good, then we're going to pursue this thing fully. And it went really good um, for those two events. And then um, pretty much was just like on the 
qualifying, like the, the block of qualifying, you know, and um, didn't end up well at the, the last two events. But also I feel like if I was able to do the first two and like had like a more stable mindset of like what I was actually doing this year, then like things could have been different. Who knows? But, you know, I'm so grateful with how everything turned out. And um, yeah, like I, I couldn't be happier with finishing 18th and being on the challenges next year's too. I was going to say that, like, while it must be so exciting, right? When you're like, you go to Belito, you get a fifth, you go to the U S open, which is essentially your home break. You get a third, which is massive. And then you're like, man, I might be in the driver's seat. I need two more results here. And while you didn't get the results you needed to qualify for the CT next year, it's not like that effort was for not finishing 18th. You're guaranteed to start on the challenger series in 2024. So as you said, compared to this year, that stability probably sets you up for greater success in the sense of like, okay, I know what my year looks like. I know what events I'm going to, how I need to train. I know what my schedule looks like. And you can kind of organize your schedule in real life outside of the professional aspect as well. A hundred percent. Like I couldn't ask for much more other than qualifying, like accomplishing my, my childhood dream of qualifying on the world tour. But to just know that I have a secure spot on the challenger series next year is like very relieving, you know, and like I, it's actually nice too, because I finally have like a full long off season for this year too. When beforehand, like, you know, you don't make the challengers and then you're back on the regionals. Like you you never really have an off season. And like, you look at all these other sports like NBA Mm. and NFL and stuff. These guys have like at least four month off, off season, you know? So it's just nice to like have that off season so that, that you can, can have, take the month out of the water if you need it, you know, mm. or like, you know, have the, a full month or a full three month, like period of training and pre- prepping for, you know, like a lot of other sports have. It's a great point. I mean, I think that was a huge contributing factor in the design room of the the updated three-tier system, right? Because in the past, you had the CT and that was, you know, 10 months long, but then you also had a 12-month long global world qualifying series with a number of tiers inside of that. And for surfers that, even surfers that were just doing one, like the the WQS, it was pretty draining because you could do 30, 40 events a year if you needed to. But then for surfers that were doing both, as you pointed out, there was never an off season um, because you're like, I, I just, I just have to do everything. And I think that's been a big advantage now in the sense of there's a concentrated CT, uh, series, um, season, there's a concentrated challenger series season, and then the regional qualifying series, hopefully as it's intended, it allows for young surfers coming up to not have to spend a ton of money internationally to get those reps and to build that seat up to get to that second level. But it is pretty fresh. The whole system's only started in the last couple of years. So I'm interested to get your unvarnished take on what you like and what you don't like, because you've come through that system, uh, both the RQS mm-hmm. and the CS. How, how are you finding it as an athlete? Yeah, I, I, I don't mind either of them. Mm. Um, you know, I think this, this, type of series that they have now is a little more organized where you can stay in your region and spend less money and then pursue the challengers. If you're really at that level to do that, you know? Right. Um, but the old, the old series that they used to have where you could actually pick and choose which locations you'd like to go to that sort of like freedom was, Mm. was really nice. And you, you could pick locations that you might have advantages at, you know, like, 
let's say like they had a, a QS 5,000 at sunset and like that might not be my like cup of tea, you know, right. but like then a uh, challenger or uh, an event like Arika or something might be like something like, okay, I could actually get some valuable points here. So that's the nice part about the not three tier series, the, the old school version. Right. But the, the organize like the, yeah, the, the organization, like the way that they set up the three tier series is very nice. And you actually have like an, like a schedule to go around and um, you don't have to travel as far either, which you're not spending as much money. It's, it's definitely, it's hard to choose which one is preferred, but I, I don't know which one I would pick. It's a good point. Like, and I'm sure that feedback's channeling through the appropriate channels. If it's not, we're talking about on a podcast so someone will listen to it. But, but <laughs> I, I, I get what you're saying too. Cause I think at the end of the day, it's about like, well, if there's enough opportunity at the regional qualifying series, if each region's got 20, 30 events, then, every, and you know, you're only counting four to six results for your regional ranking, then you're getting a lot of bites at the apple. But to your point mm-hmm. too, I, I like the idea of considering maybe one flex event where you can pick one out of region um, mm-hmm. that may just suit your taste. Cause going back to what we were talking about the intro, I mean, there's not exactly an Eureka style wave on the North American regional qualifying series. Right. So <laughs> not at, at all. At, but I mean, at the same time, you know, there might be surfers down there that are like, man, I'd love to surf a beach break for QS points or something. I'm yeah. like pulling into this yeah. lab every other day. But, um, no, I think that's really good feedback. And I, I'm curious too, like you're a young guy, right? You're 25 around, around there. Um, mm-hmm. how did, how did the experience over the last few years with, the pandemic and COVID and shutting things down impact your goals as a professional surfer, because that was a pretty formative time for you. If we're talking about your early twenties, um, for sure. You know, did, did it change the way you approached your career? Did it change the way you approached surfing? I mean, if it never happened, do you think you would have been on the same path? I guess is my question. Yeah. So like COVID happened like three years ago. So I would have been like 22 years old. And at that time, I actually had like a very like severe injury going on. I had had my meniscus torn Mm. and uh, also I had a torn labrum in my hip. Mm. So right when COVID happened, they shut down all the events and I was home. The injuries happened and I was, I had to get surgery and pretty, I was with, um, what's the surgeon's name again? Um, Warren Kramer. He he was like, this is, yeah, you couldn't you couldn't pick a better time to have you know a surgery or injuries you <laughs> sure. know because nothing's going on. So you know that was pretty much my whole mindset was just like recovering from my injury. So the whole world from COVID and all that scenario was like kind of the back of my head when I was just like really just trying to like live a normal life and get back to surfing and what I love to do. Mm. So I wasn't really too concerned of like, am I ever going to compete again? Like in a WSL event, I was more like, I just want to surf again. Mm. Um, But it also gave me a lot more hunger to like compete and, and do good in these events. Because I feel like before COVID, you know, I might not have been as like aware of my potential and Mm. like mature, you know, like mature in my heat strategies. Like I'd go into a contest that I should have like made finals day easily and just like lost first tee, and then like, whatever, like there's another one, you know? So it kind of just like made me grateful for what I had. And, um, just 
really showed me like I can, you know, I can give more to this with that I'm doing. That's really interesting. And and with those injuries you were talking about, were those like long-standing kind of chronic injuries or were there was it was it pretty fresh of like I did this thing, it happened, high impact injury and then I went and got surgery? Um the hip one like was like I didn't know about. Mm. It was funny. I like I I tore my meniscus and then was like going to Kramer and being like, it's not getting better, right. you know, like let's get the surgery done. And he was doing all his like tests on me and, you know, he's moving my leg around and he was like, he's like, your hip, you know, it doesn't sound too good. Like let, let's get an MRI <laughs> on your hip first. Let's it's get not, an MRI on not your hip what you want to hear. You're like, no man, I'm just yeah. here for my knee. What do you mean? <laughs> was, my hip like, doesn't my sound hip good. Was, it was bothering me yeah. for a little bit, you know, and like even 2019 and stuff going to doing Haliva events and stuff. I was like, it, it was bothering me. So yeah. I knew there was maybe something wrong or it's just tight hips or something is what I thought it was. It's just tight, tight hips. Um, so he's like, go get an MRI on your hip. Mm. And I got an MRI on my hip and he's like, Oh, so we had my scheduled uh, knee surgery. He goes, we're going to turn that knee surgery into your hip surgery because that's going to be a longer recovery. Mm. And then, six weeks later, we're going to do your knee surgery so that they can recover at the same time. And so I was like, Oh, okay. Like, <laughs> cool. Let's, let's do it. You know? Um, so yeah, he did my hip surgery. That was probably the harder one, the hip surgery, just the recovery wise. The first week was like, you couldn't do a lot. Even using the bathroom was like almost impossible. Um, and then the knee surgery what, um, was way easier, came out of that. I knew what to expect at that point. But what actually took longer to recover was my knee. Like my, my hip felt like it recovered. After I was able to walk, I was like, oh, I could surf now. But then like my knee, I was like, I still was like, oh, like it bothers me when I'm surfing mm. and all this stuff. And then like three months later, it was like 100%. And then that's when like the Challenger Series and everything started happening. Right. That makes sense. And then in addition to the competitive aspect of you coming out of not only injury recovery and rehabilitation, but the pandemic, it looks like you pursued some free surfing projects too. You released this year, uh, your film with body glove embers, which, which features mm -hmm. you and, and, and your colleague, Tyler Gunter, um, directed by Shane Kreutzer. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that because, you know, I, I think a lot of surfers, sometimes they get pigeonholed of like, that's just a contest person or that's just a free surfer. Mm -hmm. But I think for a lot of us, especially growing up, we're like, it's all kind of one in the same, you know, like for someone I'm 40, but like when I was coming up and like Andy was my favorite surfer, it was like, I didn't really separate. Like, I only want to watch him free surf or I only want to watch him compete. I'm like, no, I love it all. Like I watch him free surf. It's amazing. And then I get to watch him compete. It's amazing. I'm curious as to, what your uh, sort of mental approach is to that part of your career. And then tell us about that film, Embers, like how it got started and what your experience was with it. For sure. I, I hate that when people try to like divide you mm. into like a contest surfer or a free surfer, you know, because like it's as a contest surfer, you know, I'm a competitive surfer. Like I want to be like that cool, like free surfer, you know, who's just like laid back and whatever, you know, um, I would love to, to just, go on trips and spend all of my time and energy into just like getting good waves like Nathan Florence or something like that, you know, but, um, but yeah, it embers was a project that me and Tyler wanted to do for a long time. And, um, and since I didn't qualify for the challenger series and I 
I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, well, Body Glove was helping us a lot with this stuff and they had new wetsuits to release. And I was like, you know, we have this trip that we're planning. Like, do you guys want to like produce this film and, you know, release the wetsuits with all this footage that we're going to get and all that stuff. And they were like, heck yeah. Like, here you go. Like get on a flight as soon as you can. And um, yeah, me and Tyler went to a place that like we never been before. And we're just hoping that the swell was right. And the locals were really helpful with that, with like messaging us and um, making sure that we were respectful and like um, just did everything the way we were supposed to do it. And luckily enough, like when we showed up, it was just like, dream scenario waves were firing and like just had an epic experience and uh shane creature he crushed it he got all the clips and um he did his magic on the editing bay and um we got to release it during the u.s open and it's definitely like a trip that i'm gonna remember forever for sure it's very cool you mentioned working with body glove and and the support you've gotten from them how long have you been with body glove and and I'm just curious as to, for our listeners' benefit as well, like when you are a team rider at Body Glove, like what does that entail? Like what do they expect out of you and, and what do you expect in return? For sure, yeah. I've been, I've been at Body Glove, I think like around 10 years. I think it's around the 10-year mark. Um, it's been an epic family journey with the whole crew. Um, when I first, I first got on them when I was like surfing in Hawaii, I was hanging out at the Body Glove house in January and Greg Browning and... Um, Shane Magnusum were the ones who were like, we got to pick this guy up. So like all respect to those two. Um, but yeah, since, since then, like it's been an, an awesome 10 years with them. Um, you know, they, they definitely, I have a job to do with them. And, um, you know, obviously it's like social media stuff is what a lot of sponsorships want from surfers nowadays. You know, like sometimes contests aren't as big of a thing to, um clothing brands or whatever more so as like promotions on social media so that's like one of the things that they definitely want me to do most is some social media influence for their brand but then um on the other side it's like going on surf trips with them like each year we'll do like around one to two trips for like their their clothing like board short line that's coming out or their wetsuit line that's coming out um so each trip that we go on like i don't think there's any other sponsor that i've been with where like you're going on a trip like as excited to go on with the body glove crew because they're just like the coolest people nick maestro and bob sovin like and even the team riders like it yeah um they're they're just they're awesome it's always fun jokes like cracking jokes laid back like when we are shooting product um yeah product like it's it's a little bit of like whatever but like we get the job done and like we always end up with like cool content that we come out with it. I feel like it's, it's, it's such an interesting company to me growing up in Southern California too, because I've had body glove wetsuits. They're fantastic. And it does seem like they really put a premium on their product, whether it's clothing or board shorts or wetsuits, they make a very high quality product and their team throughout history has been really impressive. You could go back and like, you know, Bruce Irons and Alex Gray, and you mentioned, you know, Shane, Mag Shane Magnuson and Greg Browning. And even today it's got Connor Coffin and Jesse Mendez yep. and, you know, Hunter Jones and, and Tatiana Weston Webb. It's a pretty prestigious program, but for whatever reason, it's always 
sat a little bit apart and maybe it's to its benefit maybe it likes it that way from kind of the other o'neill rip curl quicksilver billabong hurley kind of space it's unique and i think that's pretty cool and i'm sure that kind of that kind of comes out through your experience in working with them as well yeah and they're like they're vintage like they're one of the first like they're og like 1942 i think it was or 46 like they're making wetsuits for like the first ever surfers you know and like i don't know i see kaipo guerrero he's always posting his old school photos of uh, <laughs> him wrapping body glove and stuff like i just think it's cool just how like authentic of a brand they are you know and like there's not many brands i can say that like yeah quicksilver or, or like o'neill or something can say stuff like that you know but like um like there's that's the body gloves just og like you can't you, you it's, it's gonna be cool forever it's gonna be cool i love it we're gonna take a quick break to get a word in from our sponsors and we'll be right back wslstore.com is powered by shopify we love the analytics we can check on the go. A lot of us are addicted to checking the Shopify app on our phones. We also love the automations and marketing integrations with our social and YouTube channels. It has incredible features to help us manage our global audience, including international taxation support and great shipping optionality. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash lineup, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash lineup now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash lineup. All right, we are back. This is The Lineup. I'm Dave Prodan here with Long Beach's Nolan Raposa. Nolan, I want to talk about Long Beach because as far as, what do we want to put, how do we want to put this? Like surfing hubs that people are aware of where it's, you know, San Clemente or Santa Cruz or the Gold Coast or, you know, Bell's Beach or Hasegore. Long Beach probably doesn't make the, the top 10 list of, of famous surfing <laughs> towns, but, but give, give us the background. Like, where'd you come from? Like, what was your family situation like and how did you get into surfing coming from Long Beach? Yeah. I mean, it's not even in the top 100, I'd say, bro. Like, <laughs> There's no waves in Long Beach, but it's funny though, because back in, I don't know what year it was, before the break wall was made, 
Long Beach was the was the surf spot. I don't know if anyone really knows that. Like, I'm gonna drop some history on some people, but uh, Long Beach was the spot back in the day. I think in like the 20s or the 30s when surfing was just happening here in California. Um, but growing up in Long Beach, like, definitely was a trek to go surfing. Um, I didn't. I wasn't really a surfer. I was more of like a soccer player. Like, just like go to school, go to soccer, go to Irvine or wherever I was going for soccer tournaments and stuff. Um, but my dad every summer would take us surfing. He loved surfing. He actually, when he first moved to Southern California, he um, moved to Seal Beach, and so he was, I guess, what you'd call a local. He's not like a good surfer by any means. I'd say. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. Um, but, but. Um, yeah, like we'd go surfing Seal Beach or Huntington when I got a little better. And um, then I'd do Chad's surf camp every summer with um, the Wick Wires and his son, Sam's my same age. And, you know, he actually ended up starting being like a really good surfer. And I saw him one summer after taking like a long break and was like, this is the sickest thing ever. Like, I got to do this. And so every that whole summer, I was just surfing with him every single, like, week at his camp. I don't think I even paid for the summer camp. Like, I would just go surfing with his son. Just surfing Sam, just and, outside the, the camp, yeah. like, flag. Like, You're like don't oh, worry I'm about here. me. Yeah, right. <laughs> don't worry about me. Like, I'm just – I'll let the campers get their waves, but, like, I'm just going to surf <laughs> with your son. Um, so, yeah, I surfed with him a bunch and, you know – I would just pretty much roam the streets of Seal Beach like all summer long and we'd get El Burrito Jr. Just my dad would give me 20 bucks and we'd just be like surfing whatever we can, skating whatever we can. Jake, Jake Telkamp, who works for Surfline now, like we'd hang out at his house and he'd have us like boxing in his backyard and stuff. <laughs> we'd get in these naughty fights and stuff. Um, but yeah, that was like my childhood growing up in Seal Beach and I didn't really know I wanted to compete until like after that summer and Sam was starting to do the contest, I was like, I want to do what Sam's doing. And so um, that's when I started doing contest. And um, my dad actually didn't really like it. He wanted me to like pursue soccer mm. and, you know, maybe get a scholarship. And I was a good soccer player. I think I was like the highest scoring midfielder in the league that we were in or something. I can't fully remember, but I think that's what they told me. Um, so I loved it. Um, but then surfing, I loved way more. And once I told him, I was like, I'm done. He's like, he's like, all right, well, you better be serious about this. <laughs> yeah, and right, so yeah. then, so then once I started surfing, like I started realizing like once I was like 16 years old and was when I was like, okay, this can be something serious. Yeah. So, I mean, soccer is intense, man. I played eight, like when I was growing up, but my daughter plays club and I, mm -hmm. we're not really club soccer people, but it's been exciting and just just learning about the the infrastructure for soccer in the US is insane like the amount of training that you can be doing and and then you start hearing about how that level of training stacks up to the opportunities in Europe or in South America and the mm -hmm. consensus is like oh no like US soccer still has like a long way to go before it even gets to that place and so it is intensive and it's demanding, but it is interesting too, because there's a number of surfers that have made it to the elite level on the CT who were excellent athletes in other regards. You know, Courtney Conlog's one that comes to mind, Sally Fitzgibbons. And so I'm sure there's a lot that translates both from the athleticism that you generated from becoming a high level soccer player and just competitive tactics as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cole Hauschman too. I remember right. he, he was like a couple of years younger than me. But he was like same thing as me where he was a really good soccer player. And I remember we would like go to like soccer practice together and stuff like that before we ever were like real surfers and stuff. Now, what 
what was the school pathway for you? Because there's a few ways that surfers around the world can kind of go about it. You know, there's the like, well, I just do the public school and I surf before and after school and I compete on the weekends. And if I have to take time off, I take time off. There's the homeschooling route, which is becoming very, very popular, which is allows for a lot more freedom. And then there's, I guess, the no school route. I'm curious as to which one you kind of took and how much of a conversation that was with your parents as well on like, well, we want you to do this. We don't want you to do that. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely a little stressful for my parents. Um, I know like, like a lot of kids were doing the homeschool route. This was kind of the beginning stages. Like John Mel, he was doing homeschool and he was my best friend at the time, but also his parents were like, traveling professional surfers as well right. so like they, they understood yeah. the assignment you know um and like my school i was like i was sponsored by quicksilver at the time and they were taking me in nicaragua on my first surf trips and then like there was another surf trip i was supposed to go on and they're like okay nolan you're missed like too many days of school like you're gonna have like you can't miss any more days or else you're like out of our school and I was like, okay. And my mom's finally, my mom was like, okay, we'll do homeschool because you're pretty much going to be like kicked out of school. So I was like, all right, awesome. I did homeschool through middle school. It was halfway through seventh grade is when I did homeschool. And then I did it all the way through high school. And now my senior year, um, my, my teacher like wasn't passing me. I was so weird because I was writing essays with a tutor. Like, you have to have a tutor as, as a homeschool student. Like you're not going to learn anything by yourself trying to like read it online, especially like math and stuff. Like it doesn't make sense. You know, you have to have a tutor there sitting next to you, like actually teaching you. So I'd go to a tutor like three times a week sometimes. And um, the tutor was helping me finish my, my, my senior year's like um, essays and stuff. And the uh, teacher kept sending it back saying I was plagiarizing and stuff and my tutor was like I don't understand why you're not passing this we're not plagiarizing we're putting all the links and everything like we're supposed to do so I ha I ended up getting my GED I tested out and um, after that I pretty much was I was 18 years old and I won the junior series and it was you know it was pretty serious it wasn't like I was like okay time for a college degree you know mm -hmm. I was like this is time maybe to hit the qualifying series and qualify for the world tour you know yeah that makes sense. Do you do you look back at those decisions and on that time and ever go like, man, I wish I'd stayed in like public school. Like if I could have, I was I missed out on this and that. Or given what you know now and and how it's worked out and and what you wanted to pursue, are you pretty comfortable with like, no, I had to do it this way, otherwise I wouldn't have had those opportunities. I mean, I'm pretty comfortable with with the outcome that happened. But at the time when I was doing homeschool and seeing all my friends that were going to school and they were having their proms and mm. like all their like cool events and you know I, I definitely was like wishing that it's just it seems simpler like everyone was doing it you know right. like it just seems like way funner less stress and like you're with all your friends you know so like I definitely was like a little bit I guess jealous or not not jealous but just like bummed mm. on the situation I was in but also I wasn't like I was like still so grateful for like that I was surfing every single day instead of sitting in a classroom every single day, you know? Um, so, but now that I'm older and that I graduate, all this, like things that have happened in my, my career, like I definitely don't like regret any of it, you know, I definitely, and like, if I wanted to go to college and get a degree, you know, like I easily could go, you know, but like right now where I am in my career, like it seems like it's not something necessary at the moment. Oh yeah. I mean, you could all, I, I, I would still like to go back to college actually. I, I'm 40, so you can always <laughs> go back, but I, I'm, yeah. 
back to the surfing part, like there's a lot of people that surf. There's a ton of people that try it. Not many of them get that good. Not even fewer of them get good enough to have people pay them to do it. Mm-hmm. What was it like for you? Is it something that clicked pretty easily or was it something that, man, it took a lot of work for me to get good? It might be both, but you know what I mean? Like for some people, just they naturally get on a board and they look great. And it seems like they, they kind of, it, it works with who they are internally. And for other people, they got to work at it. Yeah. I mean, it definitely was tough, hmm. I guess, to like get to the level that I wanted to get to. Um, but like looking back on it, it seemed like it was pretty seamless, you know, like it was just like bound to happen, you know, like going through each event, my first year ever doing the amateur NSSA events and stuff. Like I was like losing every once in a while, you know, like not having good events, but then like, I think year two, it was like, I was mostly in the finals and stuff and it seemed pretty seamless. Um, but I didn't know for sure, like mentally that like, I was like at that level to be like, uh, Kolohe and Dino or something like that you know like I was never like thinking that in my head that I was going to be on the world tour Um, but then once I was like 16 and did the ISAs with every single country you know like Australia Brazil everyone um, and finished I think I was third right I'm not sure I might have been fourth but um but after that I was like wait like if I'm third out of all these countries you know like that that's a pretty good sign and like I I'm pretty legit i guess is what i felt like you know i'm not trying to boast myself but uh but definitely like that's where i like got the confidence to know like okay i I am in the right place to to compete professionally you know yeah the kolohe andino is an interesting contrast i'm glad you brought that up too because i'm sure there's a grass is greener component to both sides of this but like you know, Kolohe grew up in the limelight, right? And had all these opportunities and all this support, but also all these expectations. He still does. Um, and, and all this pressure. And then there's the other end of the spectrum. And I'm not saying you're all the way to the other end, but where there's the element of, of being able to come in a little bit under the radar, not have that same level of scrutiny, being able to develop at your own pace and, and probably deal with the expectations in a healthier way. Has that ever occurred to you? Is that something you think about? I mean, again, I'm sure it's like, well, I wouldn't have minded having some of Kolohe sponsorships back in the day, but then at the same time, it's like, well, I was able to do it my way as well. And and maybe I wouldn't have had that kind of freedom if I was in his situation. Yeah, it's tough because I like the pressure. Mm. You know, I like the, I feel like I, I do well under pressure that anytime that, you know, something like happens where I need, I need a score right. or whatever, whatever it is, you know, like before the contest, like something happened to me, it doesn't matter. Like felt like I was able to like exceed the, the expectations of what I was given, you know? Mm. And you know, I, I think that the pressure definitely helps. Um, but the situation that I came in where there's wasn't as much pressure, you know, where I, you know, it wasn't like I was some prodigy, I guess mm. is what you would say, like not in the limelight. Um, yeah, it was nice. I just, it just, just made me hungrier really is what it did. It was, I just like wanted to be that guy where like I'm right. getting the phone calls, I'm getting the sponsors, you know, and like I'm being publicized. And like, I always was just like, why am I not? You know, because there was you know, the Griffin. I'm, I'm the same generation as Griffin and Jake, right. you know, and like Griffin and Jake were always getting, you know, the spotlight a lot. And I was that third guy where I was like, what, where, where's my spotlight, you know? Mm. Um, but I definitely, it just, it just built, 
burns a fire under me and you know it just shows me like that I am capable of greatness you know good things it's just like you know, when the opportunity comes, like it just, I just need the opportunity. I guess that's always something that whether we like overtly acknowledge it or just appreciate it subconsciously, I do think that's one of the more endearing aspects of competitive surfing because there's nowhere to hide, you know, like if everyone has the same shot, right. And it doesn't really matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what stickers you have on your board. It doesn't matter how many podcasts you did last week. It's, Hey, it's me versus this person. And we're going to find out who the better surfer is. And as you said, there are people who can thrive in those situations and, and people who don't. And, and I think that's a huge part of competitive surfing. Not that that's everything in surfing, but I just think it's provides a nice structure and framework for opportunity, which I think is really, really cool. You, you mentioned sponsorship, I'm curious if you can give us a little bit of a background as to when you first started working with sponsors. You mentioned Quicksilver before. You were you were with Robert Surfboards for a number of years. They've actually got a shop just 100 feet that way from me. I know Lori and Rob pretty well. Um, and mm-hmm. then now you're you as you said you've been with Body Glove for 10 years. You're working with Pizel Surfboards, Bonsai Bowls, Prolite, Perfect Hydration. How did it start for you with sponsorship, and and what's been your experience through through up until um, 2023? Yeah, it was funny. Like my first ever sponsor, well, my first ever sponsor was like Kate and Surf Shop and uh, Blackflies. Kurt Stuart Simons. He actually had some some belief in me, and we were doing some fun things together. But um, I remember trying. I wanted the main sponsor so bad, and like Quicksilver was the dream sponsor. My best friend John was sponsored by them, and so I think I reached out to Chad Wells when I was like fifteen or something, and was like, "Hey, like I'd be super hyped to be sponsored by you, like." Like, would you guys be interested in like putting a sticker and flowing me product? And he was came back saying like, no, like we don't have much budget. And I was like, ah, oh, like that's heartbreaking, you know? And then that like weekend I had like the Westerns Nat NSSA contest going on and it was huge. Every single Westerns here for the amateur events, like it always ends up being like 10 foot and just sweeping through the pier and stuff. And I, I think Jake won, Jake Marshall won. And then I got second. And Pete, John's kid was in there. <laughs> I think half of us were like crying in the lineup and stuff <laughs> right. because it was so big. Like we were scared. This is mini Groms, by the way. I don't know if you guys realize this is like 13 years old. Um, so we we're all scared. So I got second place. And afterwards, I think a day or two later, Chad Wells emailed me back saying like, hey, we'd love to have you on the team. Like, and I guess like Pete, John's dad put in like a really good word for me. Like no one's got some good upside or something. And so I was like, no way. They actually wanted me. And so, so I got sponsored by Quicksilver for like, a, I think it was like two years or something. That was super fun. Like just a perfect sponsor to, to have for your first sponsor, you know, especially at that time mm. when like things were like peaking and like huge events were going on, surfer pole, all that stuff. Um, but then after that, Fox um, motocross like they they offered they had they put in a bunch of budget for surfing and they offered me like an actual contract which i didn't have at quicksilver and so i was like this is this is, i told quicksilver so i'm getting an offer from from fox you know if you guys want to match it, i'd love to stay with you guys and they they didn't have the ability to match it and uh so i was at fox for like two or three years which was like a huge turning point i don't know if it's a turning point but it was just like a just a huge point in my life that like I learned a lot Christian signs was there surfing with Christian signs took me under his wing Mm. pretty much and was like this is what pro surfers do 
like I'm coaching you every single day. Like you need to at least be top three in every single event and just like kind of engraved in me, like what a professional is like mm. at a young age. And, um, Frankie D'Andrea and, um, and Enoch were working there too. And so it just like, seemed like I was just like in this little pool with like a bunch of big fish and I was one of the big fish, you know? Right. Um, so it just like, it was a big learning couple of years for me with Fox and it, they, they helped grow, grow my brand. And I guess their brand a little bit like through those years. And then, um, after that body gloves, I think sponsored me for just wetsuits. And, um, then they offered me a full, a full clothing brand, like main sponsor head to toe contract that they couldn't match. And, um, I've been with body glove ever since. It's interesting to hear you talk about that too, and just talk about being in the industry at that time, being a young surfer on these programs. You mentioned Quicksilver, you mentioned Fox, you mentioned all these kind of um, uh, big names in the industry. You're talking about going to Surfer Pole, you're going to Hawaii. There's an interesting thing that you can observe from the outside that I've observed from the outside with the pro surfer kind of um you know, a career chart in a lot of ways. You get a lot of young surfers that get into the mix in those environments and they get really starstruck. They're like, oh my God, I'm here with Bruce Irons or oh my God, I'm here with so-and-so. And and sometimes that doesn't translate that well to when they become adults and they have to like perform and sometimes kind of beat their heroes. Is this something you think about a lot? Is this something that you've struggled with where you grew up in these spaces and obviously everyone has their inspirations, but you're now a, a full grown adult professional surfer and it's your job to outperform, you know, in some cases mm -hmm. your heroes. Does that ever play with you at all uh, uh, mentally? For, for sure. Like I still get starstruck, you know, like if I'm like hanging out with Chloe, I'm like, well, I'm hanging out with Chloe, you know, or like, even like I see Pete, Pete Mel, John Mel, my, my best friend's dad, which I see, I used to like, live at his house and stuff like I'm still like oh my god that's Pete Mel you know like it still it still gets me but what really was a hard learning process for me was seeing these names in my heats you mm. know and anytime if I did see like a CT surfer or like I, I just like when I was younger like a Toy Meister or something yeah. like in my heat I was like oh my god like I can't beat Toy Me that's Toy Meister right. you know yeah. and like I was 16 years old in the qualifying series like supposed to like supposed to get points and stuff and then i'm like oh i can't beat toy like thinking in my head i can't beat toy meister like that's not like the mindset you're supposed to have going into a qualifying series event you know um so that's the kind of something i learned like later on i guess recently like with myers and stuff you know just like knowing that i am at that level to to beat like any name it is which now doing all these events like there's so many ct surfers that i have beat so it's not like a a name is like phasing me really, unless I had like a Felipe Toledo in my heat, I guess. I don't know. Right. I think you should, you should, you should consider with, I think you mentioned Matt Myers, your coach, you should consider creating like a scout board of like every CT surfer you beat. You just put like a sticker on the board <laughs> and like, like the old, like world, world war two pilots where like, it's another kill. It's another kill. And just look at it and be <laughs> like, you know what? Like, I've, it's like Highlander, you know, you're like, I'm the last one standing. I've taken the power of all these people. Um, I like that. I like that it, approach a lot. It's very cool. Oh uh, yeah. No, I mean, it'd be nice. It'd be, it'd be cool to know just like all the names or whatever. Just like, so if I do have a heat against him again, like I got his number, you know, I don't know, like something like that, but I don't really like 
take notes of all those things, you know, just like memorable contests like the US Open or something like I might remember like some of the heats I've had. Yeah, that's Matt's job. He's the coach. We work on that. Exactly. Um, we're going to take one more break to get another word in from our sponsors and we'll be right back. Manduka was founded in 1997 with the simple idea that a better yoga mat could make a world of difference. For generations, Manduka has revolutionized the yoga space by providing purposely crafted products that enable a more joyful practice, whatever that looks like for you. The collaboration between Manduka and Jerry Lopez honors Jerry's profound dedication to both surfing and yoga disciplines. The limited edition collection showcases Jerry's signature camouflage print inspired by his surfboards. It fuses his iconic surf style with Manduka's commitment to quality and sustainability, offering everyone a unique expression of their practice. We all know that having the right gear is essential and a yoga mat is no different. Feel the benefits of yoga with Manduka's soulfully engineered, eco-friendly products designed to inspire your practice wherever you go. The Manduka and Jerry Lopez collection want to inspire you to practice yoga however you choose to. And from now until June 10th, you will get 15% off of all products when you visit manduka.com with the code THELINEUP15. That's manduka.com, code THELINEUP1515. All right, we're back. This is the lineup. I'm Dave Proden here with Long Beach's Nolan Raposa. Nolan, we talked about it a little bit. You're a couple days out. Well, probably by the time this airs, you will be there. You're going to be on the North Shore. Um, what's the thinking of it for you? Is this a professional trip? Is this a personal trip? Is it both? Are you recharging before the 2024 season? How does a surfer in your position approach uh, a North Shore trip right now? Uh, it's kind of vacay mode for me going to North Shore. Um, I'm just going to have a good time, surf good waves. Like there's not much waves out here realistically, like compared to the North Shore. Um, but then on the side note of like being there is just to support Jake as well. Just like making, like doing whatever he feels like doing and making him feel as comfortable and um, like prepared for whatever events he's got coming up on the world tour. Um, so I just, I just want to have a good time with Jake and, um, surf good waves, like uh, pipe. I think they'll, they'll be having the pipe masters when I'm there, but, um, I definitely will want to surf Rockies a lot in front of Pizel's house, like every other day. <laughs> That's I'm glad you brought up Jake Marshall, because as you pointed out, he's one of your, your closest friends. You're going to be in Hawaii surfing with him and Jake's someone who, you know, had a lot of attention growing up. He qualified for the tour. He he missed the mid-season relegation. He's worked his way back onto the tour via the Challenger Series, and he's coming back. You've had kind of a front-row seat to that entire arc. Um, I'm sure that's pretty helpful just in terms of learning what to do and what not to do in your own career. 100%. Like, that's – I take a lot of, like, inspiration from Jake. And he's, like, one of the smartest surfers that I know, like, the surfers are smart, but like, he's like actually smart, like book smart, street smart, all of it, you know? And so like, he's had the strats down for heats and all this stuff. Like he just gets it, you know, he's had it clicking in his head since he was a grom. Mm. Um, but you know, now that we're older, like 
we're pretty mature and like we we get it together and you know we had we stayed together in Bolito and like we were just like kind of like bouncing off each other every single day like I would be like falling asleep early at like seven like seven o'clock and he's like bro you can't like you can't go to sleep right now like you haven't had dinner and then or like he would like bring me home dinner he's like bro like you got to eat right now or like he's just always watching my back bro and like I have so much respect for him that like anything like I I'm always gonna have his back I feel like so like yeah whatever like I don't have any expectations for Hawaii but I know that I'm staying at his house and I'm so grateful for it but um like whatever he wants to do like I really just want to like go have a good time with my best friend that's all I want I like it you mentioned being over there and being close to your shaper uh now for the you've had him for a a few years now I think with John Pizel and and that's a Mm -hmm. board program that is pretty unique in that it's an elite level program they do not have a ton of 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 global team riders compared to kind of some of the other programs so you you're in a pretty unique group um and, and a pretty specialized group working with John Pizel how did that relationship start for you and and what's your experience been like with John and and I guess moving forward to Hawaii is there anything specific you're looking to do on the board front while you're there yeah I mean really I I was I just I bought a board off the rack is what I I did I was like this Pizel looks perfect size for me and I want to ride it um and you know I've tried other brands like CI and sharp eye and stuff and you know when i rode the paizo i was like this is really good you know this is just as good if not better than any board i've tried Mm. um and so i was riding for rob at the moment and like it was hard for me to like actually like commit to riding one of his boards in a contest a paizo you know because i was with roberts but at that time i was you know i told roberts this i i want to pursue other things and it was something you know, hard for me to do. And I'm sure it was really difficult for Robert and everyone that was involved, you know, and, but after it all happened, like you can see the change in results and the change in my career really is what happened. And, um, you know, I didn't really have a relationship with John at first, you know, um, but over the past year or two, like I've had like more conversations with him and, coming up this winter now, like, you know, we're actually like discussing on like models and shapes of boards. And, you know, he's, he's a very particular guy and he likes, he, he's, he's very smart with what he does, you know, like he, he knows exactly what he's doing and how to shape a board exactly how, like how most people would like him, you know? Mm. So it's just cool that he's actually like giving me the, you know, the time of day to just like discuss it and, giving my like two cents of it you know where i'm not trying to say like something could be better just like something might not be like something is not working the best for me or whatever you know or where we where i something can improve in my in my in my um my boards mm-hmm. and um you know it's it's been really fun working with john and the guys here in paisal california like they've been pumping out probably the best boards i've ever ridden so i just yeah i'm super thankful for those guys how how what kind of um 
How do I want to put this? What kind of uh, uh, well, just what kind of surfer are you when it comes to surfboard design? Are you like in the weeds on like I need to know all the uh, metrics and the specs? I need to know like the cant of the fins. I need to, I I need all that. Or is it more just a feel thing where you're like that one worked and that one not so much? Um, yeah, it's, there's, there's definitely like. It's not a fine line. Like I'm somewhere in the middle, mm. I would say, you know, where I'm not looking at like my fin templates where they're located <laughs> on my board. Like I just assume those are always like somewhere in the same place, but with concaves, rail thicknesses, rail lines and stuff, like I definitely have like an eye for and a feel for, you know, where like I've been through it all. I feel like, you know, wide yeah. nose, narrow noise, nose, knifey boards, gravel boards like all of it step ups and stuff and so like i know what type of surfer i am like there's front-footed surfers back-footed surfers and so like uh, i might be more of a back-footed surfer and like sometimes one model might work better for that front-footed surfer because the like balance of the boards somewhere higher up or you know if it's a back foot it might be a little lower or something you know and same with the concaves like where like i count here at huntington beach like I'm not going to be riding some like knifey standard shortboard that's like single concave. Like I want something that's a little bit like pivoty and like maybe a little double concave in it, like where I can get a little like skatey with it and stuff, you know? So like, I definitely like, it's just like self-taught I feel like. Mm. And when you, when you are with a shaper for a really long time, you get a lot of the same boards every single time and it starts to get a little stale. Mm. And like, that's something that I feel like has been really fun with Paizel is that like they come out with, with new shapes and they're, you know, always telling me like they, they're giving me like boards that I don't typically ride. Like let's say the white tiger, the white tiger is this little five two like 19 wide short or, gravel board that i never really like would have rid i've never ridden a contest but like i'm out here riding that thing every other day because that's a perfect board for me at huntington beach you know and like watching john and and john florence and john pizel like talk about it and shape it together like it's just like cool for me to learn all these details that you know they're putting into their boards and like it's nice just if they ever ask like my opinion on things you know which like they're they're the smart they're the geniuses behind it all you know i'm just the one that's like riding it you know so it's it's just it's fun just just getting to ride it and they've been work obviously they've been working great the races the high lines the ghosts even like it all of them have been working really good so like yeah i'm just yeah having fun riding them i like it so you're going to be in hawaii when this airs What's the end of 2023 start of 2024 schedule look like for you? Um, how are you getting ready? I think the first CS event's going to be after the mid-season relegation, which is in May, I believe. So you've got a few months. Like, mm -hmm. is it a lot of in the gym physical training? Is it surfing every day? Is it going on trips? Is it maybe doing a couple of QS events uh, to get some reps in the Jersey? Is it maybe a combination? How are, how are you looking to spend, you know, the next four to five months here before the next challenger series starts? So, well, obviously I'm heading to Hawaii this weekend and um, I'll be back for Christmas to hang with the family and stuff. But like when I'm in Hawaii, that's like 
Hawaii is probably the best place to learn for any location you are, even though the waves are amazing and you might not be surfing amazing waves in the events that you're surfing at, but you're able to like test maneuvers and different techniques on the wave mm. at those locations, you know, when at home, like you, you're going to get a, a burger of a section where you, you can only do a cutback on, you know, or like you can't like actually at Rocky point or, if you're a Haleiwa or wherever, you know, you can actually be like, okay, I want to like keep my rail in the water for like an extra second. Mm. Or, you know, I want to like go more front footed on this turn and like have my fins like more out the back, you know, or I want to try and throw more spray off my board, which was my real goal is just to just like look more powerful in my surfing and, you know, throw more spray and which my specialty is to be like super aggressive and like, I guess like, releasing fins a lot you know which i would like to keep my fins in the water a little bit more um to be able to get my scores and i think that's something i love to practice in hawaii um but you know to to be making finals and stuff like you got to be giving out your best surfing and that's when airs come into play so that's something i would i'm still going to be obviously trying to perfect a little bit more um but when i get home i will definitely i think i'm going to give myself a good long like preseason workout regimen with Paul Norris at Surf Ready Fitness and like be in there like strictly like at least every day or every other day or something like that. And um, that's definitely the game plan for the Challenger Series. I will be doing Pismo Beach 3000. Um, that's during Tyler Gunter's birthday, the 26th. John Mel will be there. Myers will be there. So we'll all have a really good time. And it's fun because there's no stress for me. And that's something that I want to work on going into these events is just the mentality of just being happy to be there, like not putting the weight of the world on my shoulders where I'm like Mamba mentality every single day of the week, you know, which is something that benefits for sure. But that's not something where like in the long run, like gives you happiness in life. I feel like when that's just like where I want to be is just a piece of life, you know, where I can be, happy every single day and not have these huge highs and lows in my life, which I feel like my career has always been this crazy high lows. Um, so that's just something I want to work on with these regional events that I do end up doing is just like going in there, like just having a good time instead of being like, Oh, we have like a, a stacked round of 16 heat coming up with Dimitri and Tyler and whoever, you know, like I want to like, I actually just want to go out there and just like, go for a bunch of errors. If I lose, I lose or, you know, but like when it comes down to the challenger series, it's going to be taken a lot more seriously and more methodically. Hmm. But like for these regional events, I definitely want to be like loose into them. I love it. Um, we did put a feeler out for our questions uh, for those that follow us at the lineup pod on Instagram. We got a ton back for you, uh, Nolan, but we've whittled it down to, uh, to three. So First question is from Et Real Matt Walker, who asks, "Hum, oh sorry, excuse, I screwed this up. Ho some bistro or sessions? Ho some bistro or sessions? I feel like I've only had ho some once, but sessions I have like maybe once a week. Like their their OG breakfast sandwich is legit. Like you're not you're getting some good eggs and bacon there if you go there." I like that answer. Uh, second question is from Et Coralie Gauchi, uh, who asks, what was your worst injury? 
guess we talked about a couple, but what was I the think, worst one? Yeah, I discussed it. it. Was probably the meniscus tear and the labrum tear. I guess if I had to pick one, it would be the labrum tear, just because of the recovery from the surgery. Yeah, but I think that's it. Like I, I, uh, I have had a really bad injury at the skate park where I got knocked unconscious. I was on a scooter, by the way. So all you scooters, just re- reference that that like they're dangerous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I got taken to the hospital and in the. Uh, in like an ambulance and stuff. I was knocked unconscious. It was, it was a bad time for sure. But my first event afterwards, I ended up winning. So concussions can come back good. <laughs> so that's a hard, that's a hard philosophy for everyone to replicate, I think, but I'm, in, <laughs> I'm into it. Uh, Football does it good. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Last one we picked uh, from someone near and dear to your heart uh, at my underscore Matt Myers asks, when is Noel rap? starting his own surfing slash MMA slash fantasy sports podcast. <laughs> that was a discussion I had at the beginning of this year, <laughs> which would have ended up really good if we did this for the WSL se- um, season this year, because there's so much controversy this season. I felt like with the wave pool and the J Bay and, you know, whatever that happened this whole season, it seemed like this was one of the most controversial seasons on the WSL. Um, so that was an idea I had, which we didn't partake in, but I think there's definitely a lot of things that I want to like get into the coming year or two or three, you know, um, it's definitely a maturing couple of years coming up for me and, um, I'm excited and ready to take on some new tasks. You can come back on this podcast whenever you want. We can talk anytime, whatever you like. Well, I appreciate everyone <laughs> that wrote in at, at the lineup pod. We are now down to our final segment. It's time for the lightning round. So these are 10 questions for you to answer as quickly as you can. Gotcha. First question. If you could only have one board set up for the rest of your life, single fin, twin fin, thruster, quad bonzer, or finless, which would you choose? thruster coffee or tea coffee burrito or pizza pizza last book you read ready player one best surf film ever um oh what is what is it uh let's say view from a blue moon Mm. Uh, where am I at? One wave you never have to go back to. One wave I never have to go back to. Uh, Waikiki. If you only get to surf one wave for the rest of your life, and disclaimer, you can dreamcast it, it can be perfect conditions, just you, just your friends, whatever you want, but one wave to surf for the rest of your life. Seal Beach. (laughs) Best person to share a lineup with. Tyler Gunter. Worst person to share a lineup with? Uh, Medina. <laughs> he comes up a lot, that's <laughs> for sure. Uh, last one. Finish this sentence. I will next achieve a state of happiness by... By living in the present. I love it. Nolan Raposo, thank you so much for coming on the lineup. Congratulations on all your success this year. I look forward to maybe seeing you in person, sharing a wave in Hawaii next week and absolutely watching what you're going to do in 2024. Congratulations.
Thank you so much, Dave. Yeah, definitely. I want to reach out, hang out with you in Hawaii. And um, anytime you guys want me back on, I'm happy to join. Right on. So that's it. That's the lineups conversation with Long Beach's Nolan Raposa, an episode presented by Body Glove. I hope you enjoyed it. Today's episode is executive produced by Jed Pearson, Tim Greenberg, and myself, produced by Miguel Clemente, with art direction by Jason Penning and copywriting by Dan Willen. Thanks to them and thanks to our sponsors. We appreciate their support. The lineup acknowledges that it's recorded and produced on the ancestor lands of the Chumash and the Tongva native people. I hope you safely get some waves wherever you are, and we'll see you next Tuesday. WSLstore.com is powered by Shopify. We love the analytics we can check on the go. A lot of us are addicted to checking the Shopify app on our phones. We also love the automations and marketing integrations with our social and YouTube channels. It has incredible features to help us manage our global audience, including international taxation support and great shipping optionality. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash lineup, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash lineup now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash lineup.